All right, is this one on? Yes, it is. I'm terrified of making that same mistake again now. Hello, and welcome to Filling in the Gaps. I'm Justin. I'm Darren. And today we're going to be discussing the game Her Story. Her Story is a game from 2015. It is roughly $6 base, but it does go on sale. And this is very much a Filling in the Gaps game. It is full motion video. It is essentially police interviews, and you see someone being interviewed. In the game, you're using a somewhat antiquated search engine to go through videos that have been chopped up for, I guess, easier access, though it seems way, way harder. I don't know why you would ever think this is a better system. I guess if you're looking to play clips in court, you type in a search part like confession and it takes you straight to the confession part of the of the interview rather than you fast forwarding through a VHS to get there. Because bear in mind, this is set in like 1996 or something like that. 94. But it's not, it's not tagged though. So it's only based on what this person says. I don't know. It just seems like a very complicated system. I don't know if this is what was ever actually being used. I hope not. <laughs> I certainly know it wouldn't be now. There's no way that they would use this now. I think you just gotta suspend your disbelief there for a little bit. And like, I think there are a number of things. This is how the game to, works, yeah. There are a number of things you have to suspend your disbelief for, but what I would say is this is a game that is very much what we should be talking about because this is all about filling in the gaps. This is about exploration, but instead of exploring a world or exploring a mechanic, you're using a mechanic of a search engine and keywords that you're already very familiar with in today's day and age, and you are simply exploring story and knowledge, mm. which is basically what we try to do most episodes, whether it be with a game, with a movie, and that's what this is. It really is kind of like a movie that's been chopped up and turned into a game. But I like it. I like it a lot. I will tell you that the first time I played, I spent hours and hours on this game. Yeah. Did you play it on Steam first or on, on mobile? I've always played it on Steam. Ah, okay. Because, yeah, it was out on mobile, I think, first. I'm not sure about that, though, exactly. But it was definitely... I picked it up on mobile first. What did you think of that experience? Because I feel like... It would work pretty well. Oh, it was really good. It was. It worked well. It was very interesting. It was like a new kind of... Again, I'm all for different kinds of better, not just like in-app purchase garbage apps on your phone and tabs and stuff like that. So, so having something like this game that... Yeah, an FMV game on your phone was pretty cool at the time. It's a very large game, though, for a phone game. That's about a gig. Yeah, I mean, when it's all compressed, uh, I think it fits quite well on your phone. The only problem with it being on the phone that I noticed that it was much better on PC was the searching. Because, like, on your phone, you're tapping away on those tiny little keys, and that's a pain in the butt. Clacking away on your computer keyboard is perfect. It's good. It works. There are essentially 271 bits of video. So not total scenes, but... All the scenes have been chopped up into 271. There are a couple things that we can help you with, even in this spoiler-free section, to help you get further in the game. There is one huge game-breaking hint, but we're not going to give that one until probably the very end of the episode. But there are some things that we can tell you that will help you actually enjoy the game and get a bit more out of it if you've not played it yet. 
So the first thing I would say is use subtitles. I think subtitles are your friend. You're going to see people's names, how to spell them. That makes it much easier to search. You're going to see words that you don't even think about using in a normal search engine that will work very, very well in this game. Big thing that I know that you like is the fact that you can turn off the glare option. Yeah, that glare was so annoying, man. You can't turn off the sound of the fluorescent lights from the office. (laughs) That's fine. (laughs) It's trying to make it immersive. It's trying to make it look like it's... Well, that's the weird thing, though, because I felt like they were trying to make it 1994, but clearly this is after 1994. So I guess the idea is that it could only be used on this old computer in the office. Turn the glare off. It's really, really irritating. It gets in the way. And if you don't know that this is even an option, you probably don't understand why the video is a bit hard to see. So, yeah, I would just go ahead and get rid of that glare right away and turn the subtitles on. A big, big time-saving hint I can give to you is the fact that there is no proper ending to this game. When you finish the game is essentially when a chat box comes up and you're asked if you understand. And you can say yes, and then watch the credits. Or you can say no. Which I did the first time a lot. But you can't say anything else. It won't even let you type anything else. No, it's either (laughs) yes or no. If you try to type anything else, Yeah, if you you think, can I have some more? If you start start a sentence with C, it's like, nope. No, you have to start with Y or N. Yeah. I would recommend, go ahead and do it. It's not going to give anything away. And once you've watched through the credits... There are two commands that the credits will give you that will really help you into finding all the rest of them if you're looking for every video. One is a command, and it's it's very, very quick, so you've got to pay attention. But one is a command so that you can unlock the fact that in the game you only have five videos at a time from your search, but you can have up to 15. This makes things a million times easier. Five is frustratingly limited. And the other thing is you get a code that will make it available to do random videos. Now, they are very random, so you won't necessarily get ones you haven't seen already. Out of 10 times, I only got one that was one I hadn't seen before. But that might be the one that helps give you a clue as to how to find two or three more. The hint that you gave me was to tag every video in a way to help me organize and find it later. This is very, very important, and I would also recommend that people do that as well. Yeah, if you're going to play the game through and find all the videos, then say yourself. Even if you just tag them as 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, like that, and just keep going up and tag them as numbers. Or if you want to tag them with actual like sentences even about what they say in that clip, that's fine as well. But just make sure you tag them with something and don't leave them blank. With that, it's kind of all we can really say because as soon as we get into this i know that there's going to be spoilers if you have not played her story and what we've said sounds at all interesting if you like full motion video games of any kind this is kind of one you you definitely need to play and this developer uh, sam barlow has done some other fmv games right yeah he's got a new one coming out soon they started shooting it in the end of december in 2018 so hopefully it's out 2019 it's called telling lies and it's basically 
looks like it's going to be more of the same, which I'm happy with, as long as it's got an ending this time. To be clear, it does have an ending, but it's a little bit vague, and it's not told to us. So it's kind of like, I don't know, you could completely not understand the end of this game and still finish it. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's like watching a movie, and then if you understand the movie, then good for you. But if you don't, and you walk out of the cinema going, what the hell was that about? That's what this game is. So, before we go any further, last warning, her story, spoiler section ahead. Alright, now, now we're in it. Here's the thing. This game is a bit of a mind boggle. So, it is very, very difficult to kind of put all the details together. But you found a mechanic that I didn't even think about that helped us to put things completely in order, which we will tell you about at the end. That's the huge spoiler. That's the game-breaking spoiler. But because of that, I'm going to be very, very adamant, which I am warning both the listener and my friend, that I want to go in order. Because if we start getting out of order, then this whole thing becomes unraveled and will be a confusing mess. It will be as confusing as playing the game for the first time. So, yeah, in order. <laughs> so, I say that because there's going to be a lot of times where there's probably either going to be a very rough cut, where I've cut Darren off <laughs> from saying something that we're going to talk about two minutes later, or you're going to hear me saying a lot of, wait, wait, we'll get to that in a minute. So, let's start at the beginning. Each section, because it is, quote-unquote, a police document, it has been time-stamped. So, we know that what I'll refer to as session one is the one where she is wearing a blue jacket. It takes place on June 18th, 1994, and there are 26 bits of video in this one. Right, okay. She takes her coffee black with no sugar, which was definitely one of those indicators I took very, very early on, even the first time playing, as that's probably important because how people take their coffee is very individual. Unfortunately, she says the thing about I'm sweet enough as it is, which is pretty much a straight line from Snatch. Well, I think it's a, a British thing anyway, isn't it? Uh, is it? See, I don't know. <laughs> the first time I heard that was in Snatch, and Snatch didn't come out until years later. So that's where I got a bit confused. But if this is a normal thing. I think it's I think. a common thing to say, yeah. Bricktop didn't invent it. Okay. <laughs> the thing that bothers me, though, is she's in here because... Her husband is missing. And right at the very beginning, she's making this joke. It just feels so out of place. When you start to realize, and here's the thing, when you watch the whole thing in order, you're not just realizing the story key elements. You're now starting to realize how all of this thing works together as one complete story. And how instead of learning more game mechanics, by watching it straight through, you're actually seeing the story mechanics in play, and they're just sometimes where it seems a bit awkward. Now, perhaps this was done on purpose so that you couldn't really put it together easily. Maybe this was partly to make it a little bit more confusing, but why? Why would they have her joke when her husband is missing and she's worried? She should be very, very concerned. I suppose so, but... I mean, at the same time, that's not Hannah. I don't think that's Hannah. That's Eve. Yeah, okay. So, we are in the spoiler section. Fine. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is, but even she should not be joking around if she's 
trying to... Convince them? Right. But even at the same time, obviously we'll get to this later in the story, but Simon is important to her as well. Not as important as Hannah, but still important. She should still be upset about this whole thing. It just seems weird. Yeah. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but the thing is, I'm going to be pointing that out a number of times where she seems to be in the wrong mood for what's really going on. And again, I don't know if this was done on purpose to try and help confuse the player or if it was just not the best directing going on here. Mm. She says her name is Hannah Smith and Simon Smith is her husband. He works at the Glassworks. There's a whole description about what he looks like and his clothes. On Friday evening, they had an argument. Saturday, he didn't come back and he didn't show up for work at Eric's as he was supposed to and he was still not back by Sunday. Now, there's a small problem here that really, really irritates me because it's it doesn't really matter within the context of the game, but June 17th, which is the day before this, so again, this is June 18th, she's coming in on Sunday, but they've got their day off by one. Okay, I didn't even notice that, to be honest. Well, if you, you wouldn't notice it in-game, but if you do a search online for a calendar for 1994... They're off by a day, which frustrated me <laughs> because I was trying to put together what days is she actually being interviewed and the 18th should be the Saturday, but clearly this is meant to be Sunday because she talks about Friday they had the argument, Saturday he was still gone and we didn't show up again today, which makes me think it's Sunday. Right. She came in to talk to the police. So it just really niggles at me that that major detail, which should be so simple to figure out, was messed up. Anyway, apparently after they had the argument on Friday, Simon went to the Rockington Arms. That's their local that they go to a lot, I guess. He told Helen, the blonde bartender, about their argument. And apparently he likes blondes. This will be moderately important later. She says a very interesting thing here about no one knows how to hurt you like those close to you. Talking about the argument, it's not really specific, but when you've been married for 10 years, there's all kinds of arguments and you can argue about anything, she says. She does make a reference to the fact that he probably has a computer called an Amstrad. Yeah, yeah. In which he plays games like Climb the Tower, Save the Princess, which is a common theme throughout this entire story. This fairy tale, this prince, this princess this being locked away in a tower. And she also makes reference to having a diary. She's kept it since she was a little girl. It helps keep everyone on the same page. Which, if you're watching it straight through, that would be a huge clue. That seems really weird. Why would that be important? Why would you say it that way? And there's a lot of things that she says in this that seem a little bit odd if you know you're looking for it. If you weren't looking for it, if you're just watching it as a movie, I'm not sure that I would have noticed a lot of these things. But when you're getting specific chunks thrown at you, it just really, really sticks out to me. Yeah, I don't think the game was supposed to be trying to pull the wool over your eyes to that everything was normal. You know, I think it's pretty obvious that, yeah, there's something fishy going on from the get-go. Well... I would say even from the very first search term, because they put in the first term for you, and that is murder. So right from the very first one, you have four clips in which she talks about murder, and there are at least three or four different interviews so that you can see that it has taken place over a different time 
It's a great way to start it out, actually. So that immediately starts to intrigue you. And like I said, with this game, it's very intuitive. Oh, it's just Google searching, basically. Yeah. Essentially. And that's just become such a part of our lives now that this just feels natural. What doesn't feel natural is watching an interview be chopped up into 271 bits. But I like the system. I like the idea. I mean, it feels very, very original. In the real game, I would have been all over the place. In fact, the thing was, I took notes from when I played it. All right, so here's the thing, dear listener. My friend knows this already, but I played this game originally a while ago, and I spent a lot of time on it, probably eight to nine hours, because I played through it twice trying to find the actual answer. I thought there would be something that would give me an ending. There are all sorts of sound effects, like a siren. And I thought, oh, if I make a playlist of all the siren ones, then that will give me the ending. And that didn't seem to work. Oh, there's times where the screen seems to go a bit dark, and maybe I need to pay attention to those, and a playlist of those. And that still didn't give me a satisfying ending. I was looking for an ending that wasn't there. So I've spent a lot of time on this game. And last week, I played it again and took notes, and then when we found out how to play them through an order, went, okay, I'll watch it again. It doesn't really bear up to essentially four times of watching, which is what I've done, but I wanted to be prepared for today. So here's the thing. When I play through, it's a much more interesting experience because you are figuring out the story as you go, and it's very interesting how you get just a little bit of the story And as you see it grow and expand, one of my kind of complaints about the game would be the fact that I think I figured it out fairly early on, or I figured out some of the key elements. There are definitely details that I didn't know, but I figured out a lot of the key elements somewhat early, even in the first playthrough. And so there are a lot of times you're getting bits of video that are pointless. Oh, (laughs) like the lie detector tests. Uh, That... That's the worst one. We'll get to that one later. But you do get lots of clips where it's either a red herring or it's just not really important. But even in a lot of the ones that aren't really important to the overall story, they are interesting hints as to what's going on or interesting hints as to what Hannah or Eve, what they might be thinking. But in order, in order. So I don't know if you had anything else in your notes about this section. No. No, the first part is... She's basically just says that he's missing. He's missing, that's it. Yeah, and then we get to the second interview then. So, session two, she's wearing a short sleeve purple shirt. This is roughly a week later, at June 25th. And this is about 31 bits of video. I'm pretty sure this is Hannah. I think this is Hannah, yeah. Uh, Particularly because of the short sleeve. It's pretty obvious. She has a bruise on her face. She says she fell down in the kitchen and hurt herself. Walked into a door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she hasn't been to work in a week because she's been waiting to hear back from the police. She goes through some of her story. Apparently, she left at about 8 o'clock on Friday after the argument. It was her birthday. She says she didn't like her present. This is important. Later. The present was a nice mirror. It was made especially for her, the kind a princess would have. I love that she says that, but she also says she didn't like it, which makes no sense in this interview. It will make sense to us later, 
But in this interview, I think there's part of me that would go, why? <laughs> um, you just described it as being pretty amazing. Why didn't you like it? We'll get to that as the story unfolds. She seems to have forgotten that she told them how long they'd been married. And there are a few points like this that clearly are, I guess if you want to buy it in the story, these clues that gave her away. They go into a long bit about their history. So she met Simon while she was working at the Glaciers, where he was still working. They were both very shy. And on their first date, she was wearing her best dress. And they go to see Risky Business. From early on, she got pregnant. And so there's a wedding that's kind of forced upon them from both sets of parents. Though she says that they're both happy to get married. And the song they danced to is Come Back and Stay. That was their first dance. Which I was completely unfamiliar with this song altogether. Was this a very popular song? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I I had to listen to it on YouTube. It's a pretty good song. It's very 80s. Yeah. <laughs> but the important story element here is she kept referring to the fact that it felt good that it was just the two of us. Mm. Which, again, in the context of this, it works because, yes, there is that element, I suppose, of this is your wedding and it feels very much special because it's the two of you. But at the same time, she just references this so often throughout the other interviews that it would start to seem a little bit weird. But I get it. Right, you're supposed to. Otherwise, yeah, there's, if they but leave it, everything out, then there's nothing to go on. Especially as... But I mean, how it could fool people. They are teenagers who've never lived on their own. They've never probably been just alone, the two of them really. And so I get that. I get how it could work within the story. Their honeymoon was in Brighton. They just had a night at a hotel, I guess. Then they end up moving in with Simon's parents. She has a miscarriage and her parents die all in the same year. Yep. And this is one of those things that really came out of nowhere when I was playing the game the first time, because there's this whole element about her parents being poisoned yeah well they say it's food poisoning that they ate some bad mushrooms but she references that her father is an expert on mushrooms why would he eat poisoned mushrooms we'll get more into that i think later because that's pretty much all we get about it here but when you're playing it's like oh poison and then you <laughs> can go and do another search on that and find all sorts of bits from other things they end up moving into her parents house or her old house which becomes very, very important as the story becomes more clear. But within this interview, it's a bit weird because she gets a job at a school as a dinner lady, which we would call it lunch lady, where I come from. But she laughs at the point where apparently she was told, just don't poison the kids. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> The thing is, when you watch them in order, this is immediately after she just talked about the fact that her parents died of poisoning. That <laughs> should not happen. You would think <laughs> not to make this joke at this point. And here's another time where I just kind of feel like this joke, it works well on its own, but it just does not work as a full interview. It just feels like it should not be in here. I thought it was hilarious anyway. Just like she'd just been talking about her parents were poisoned. And I guess... Maybe in a sense, it's this happened a while ago and it's something maybe that she can laugh about or 
she's obviously quite comfortable with that now that her parents were poisoned and probably imagine back in the day they're like oh that's the woman whose parents died of food poisoning so they you know oh she's gonna poison our kids or something like that you know maybe it, like i don't know it it struck me as funny i thought it worked quite well to be honest <laughs> especially her delivery on that was brilliant like i said i think it works well when you just see that clip but when you see it all together which really i'm not sure if they ever intended us to see them all together but they must have realized people would do that i think it's impossible to get all the videos without doing what i did man i know but what i'm saying is maybe they never realized that people would put it together as one video but i'm sure somebody must have by now i'm sure it's available to watch as a movie on youtube right now exactly she speaks of there being pressure between Simon and herself, but doesn't really elucidate on that at all. So I found that a little bit confusing in the context of this interview. There are things that can be a bit forgiven, but are also a bit confusing because we don't ever get the police side of the conversation. His story, yeah. And so I guess you can often just put that off to, we don't know what was asked. I'd like to know what was asked, though. There's a point where I start to question if she was ad-libbing sometimes, knowing the story, and they like they chopped it up in a way that felt good to them, or if they were very meticulous and had every line specifically out. I mean, I think a lot of it must have been to make the game work, because you need to have these different keywords throughout in order for you to be able to find it. But... Yes. There are times where I feel like I know exactly what the detective asked, and there are other times where I am completely baffled as to what happened between these two conversations, or these two bits of dialogue. Why are the detective's questions omitted from the evidence well, anyway? If you read the readme text, one of them, I think they say that they were lost in some sort of warehouse fire, and these are the only files that they have left. This was like corrupted then or something like that. Something happened to those files, essentially. So that's why we only get this side of things. I mean, the real reason is it's cheaper to have one actor as opposed to two, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Someone there clapping, though. There is... A point where she says, no, everyone loves Simon. He was so nice to everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Which, when you know what's going on, that's such a clue. Yeah. They also make reference at this point that she's going to be getting her fingerprints done. And she makes some random reference to the fact that she once burnt her hand in an oven. I don't know why that's particularly important. Maybe it's just a red herring. I certainly looked up oven <laughs> to see if there's more to that story. But that's it for session two. Session three. She's wearing a red jacket. This is June 27th, one day after the previous session. This is a long one. There are about 50 videos in this section. She gets her coffee, black and strong. This is Eve. Yeah, definitely. Bruise is gone. This is where Simon's body has now been found because she references this is the worst thing that's happened to her. There's lots of blood. They found the body. His throat was cut. Her bruise is gone. She touches the wrong cheek as she talks about it and says, oh, I have a high metabolism. So, of course, it would go by quickly. And that's some Logan X, Weapon X healing right there. Yeah, I. this is part of where I start to get a bit frustrated with the game because not so much the game, but the story. I feel like they should have been smarter about this. If they've been doing this their whole lives this slip-up never should have happened. And they explain it later on that when I lost a tooth, Hannah got a tooth pulled. That's exactly what I'm saying. If they did this their whole lives, 
they wouldn't be making this mistake. This That's a rookie mistake, man. Yeah, exactly. I'll talk more about that because I have some real issues with that as well. But we're way far from that at this point. We don't know that yet. It's still a secret. <laughs> there were boxes in the cellar. She remembers for some reason she noticed they had been moved, but she didn't actually check it out. But when she went down to the cellar, she looked behind them and she found the bin bags. And in the bin bags... Simon, and his throat had been cut. There's an interesting line here where she references that the cellar is for things we don't need anymore. Yeah. And, of course, that's where we talk about Simon being found. The dad apparently used to grow mushrooms in the... So, again, we're coming back to this mushrooms thing. She does admit that after she left Simon on Friday night, she drove to Glasgow and basically slept in her car, came straight back. Why would anyone go to Glasgow? <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you say that one. <laughs> I'm from there. I can say that. <laughs> it does seem weird. She just wanted to get as far away as possible. I'll give them that. Maybe. I I'm sure that some people like to go for a drive when they just need to think. But It's quite a far drive. It does seem like a very far drive, right? It's a good six, seven hours at least. <laughs> But it's a straight road, so maybe yeah. Just go, just she did she did the Forrest Gump thing and just started moving forward. But that's all we get about that story this time. She throws up, yep, which was a huge indicator to me early on the first time I played because I found this clip for some reason. Probably she typed in basement for mushrooms from the previous thing. That's how I found it. Uh, possibly then. But I went okay. Well, she must be pregnant. That must be morning sickness. So that led into yes, I could find that. We start to realize that she is now a suspect. She talks about the pregnancy and saying that Simon found out about it on her birthday. So that Friday was her birthday. But they go through a really, really weird process at this point of having her look at pictures and tell stories. I don't think I've ever seen this used in any other detective crime show before doesn't mean that it's not a real technique but it does seem like an odd technique and way too obvious yeah i don't know what's going on i mean the first time i played through this and when i wasn't watching it in order i was in two minds so is are they twins or is it a kind of dissociative personality disorder that's more what i was leaning towards the first time yeah so I felt that, yeah, that test is out of place, as is singing in, in, in the interview. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that one. We'll get to that <laughs> But one. I thought maybe this is just their way of like, okay, maybe we have someone who's mentally ill on our hands. Let's try some kind of psychological techniques and see what she tells us through the pictures. So that's all I took from it. It was basically a Rorschach test. But every single one was just too on the nose, I feel. As you're watching the clips... You won't notice that. But when you watch them in order, there are three pictures in a row, and she's just giving way, way too much away for somebody who's been clever for, you know, 30 years. She's 27 years old, yeah. So the first one, she talks about it being Rapunzel, and she's reminded of fairy tales from childhood. There's another picture of a woman with a knife where she tries to alter the story. I think this is the one where she is a bit clever and realizes what they're trying to do and says, oh, she's got a knife because she cooked his favorite dinner, but he's sick. 
and that's why he's sleeping, and that's why she looks sad, because he's sick, and she doesn't know if he'll get better. It's a totally ridiculous one, but I do feel like this is the one where she was actually catching on to what is going on. But then in the very next one, she goes back to being a bit too honest. So there's a woman running who looks scared because people are chasing her. Oh, but she did nothing wrong. I think it's a case of mistaken identity. I'm like, that's, that's <laughs> too much. That's just too much in that one. This leads into talking about the dollhouse, which we hear a lot about the dollhouse. And in it, she says, we used to play up there and make up stories. There's a lot of this we and us that, again, helps us as the viewer catch on to what's going on. But it feels like the type of thing that if they'd been doing it their whole lives, they should be a bit better about. They apparently ask her to go over her entire Friday, her birthday, to go all the way through it. So Simon made her breakfast at work. The kids sang happy birthday to her. She had some cake. Their dinner was a takeaway. She got a present. She didn't mind, <laughs> which is a little bit less than I didn't like. She was in Glasgow. The rubbish truck woke her. She went to a petrol station to get coffee and a pastry. She tried to call Simon, but there was no answer, so she came back. This leads into them showing her a watch, which is apparently Simon's watch, which was a gift from Eric, and she references that the time eliminates her as it was a time when she would have been out of town, essentially. She was like, oh, I was in Glasgow then. Mm. I couldn't have done it, which... I mean, did the watch stop when he died? I'm assuming it must have gotten smashed. Mm. Well, he could have said that, because I was thinking the same thing. I was like, all right, is this the Chinatown trick? It isn't very clear. One, because we don't actually get a good look at the watch. And two, they don't explain it. So they really should have done a little bit more here to explain. And I don't think that that really proves anything. Stop clock tells us it right time twice a day. <laughs> but she says she lied before because she thought it seemed suspicious. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why you're not supposed to lie. <laughs> oh, I lied about being at home because I thought it would look suspicious if I went out of town. Yeah, well, now it looks even more suspicious. <laughs> she talks about turning the key, but the door was unlocked. She talks about the cat flap and the cat domino that her parents used to have. And at the moment, she's staying at friends. That part's not really important, but it's because she's not allowed back in the home yet. Her home is still a crime scene. That is important. Our next session is where she's wearing what I originally labeled as a flower shirt, but it's not really flowers. It's just kind of a print shirt. This is June 30th. This is three days later than the previous session. There are 45 bits of video in this one, and I'm pretty sure this one is Hannah. For session number four? Yes. Yeah, I think this is Hannah. Okay. She gets a cup of tea with one sugar. She's now back in her house. And apparently a cleaner took care of the cellar, but they had to get rid of some stuff because you can't get the blood out. But I wondered about this because she's got blood on stuff, but he was dead in bin bags in the cellar. So how did blood get on stuff? I think she cut his throat in the living room, didn't she? So Yeah, but how did... That's not where the blood would be, though. They didn't know where Simon was, and for a week or so, she was oh, still see, at home. I, I see what you mean, yeah. So the living room was cleaned up. Cleaned up, yeah. So what stuff in the cellar would have blood over it that they wouldn't have noticed before? I, the tiles, the ground, maybe? Maybe he started just seeping out of the bin bags? I don't know. 
Mm. Maybe. Maybe bin bags had a leak. They weren't very good quality. (laughs) I just found that very odd in detail because it seems like they had been very careful otherwise what needed to be cleaned up here. Because, I I don't know, maybe I don't know how dead bodies work, but I feel like (laughs) he would have been dried up or done by that point so blood wouldn't be getting on things. Yeah, I've got no idea. She talks about fingerprints... And essentially, they must have been asking, has anyone else been in your place lately? She references like a plumber or something like that. But no, no one's really been there. She speaks of Eleanor hiding cigarettes, which is Simon's mom, I believe. And she says, imagine all those years and still having a secret like that, which you have a bigger one. So (laughs) they've apparently found fingerprints in the house that don't belong to her and hairs have been found in a bedroom. So they're going to talk a lot about those hairs coming up. She says, oh, couldn't it be from the dolls in the attic? Uh, they have blonde hair. In fact, I believe she references that Rapunzel has blonde hair, which I, I guess could be. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe she's... I guess I never really envisioned it that way, but then in Tangled, she does have blonde hair, so I guess it doesn't really matter. Yeah. She describes entering her house after her Glasgow trip. Right. So she had to park up the street because there were many cars in the street. She knocks. No one answers. She unlocks the door. She knew it wasn't unlocked because she had to turn to the left. She saw there was no coat or shoes of Simon's that should be there. He's not in the kitchen where he'd normally be. She touches the kettle. The kettle is cold. She goes to the bedroom. She takes a shower. There's a phone that rings. She doesn't answer it. She sleeps. Eric calls. And then she calls her in-laws. This is important because she will go through this exact same story later, almost exactly. And that is kind of a giveaway, apparently. They show her the mirror. She looks at it. She says that it was silvered properly, that it's perfect for someone who doesn't really want to see their own reflection. She's asked about an affair, but she denies it, both that Simon would ever have one and that she would ever have one. And I'm guessing at this point they ask her about men who said they slept with her like maybe they were showing her picture around because she says something like i've never been with all those men i'm not a slut yeah she speaks of her childhood friend eve who she hated for being popular and there's this creepy story where she talks about putting eve's head underwater because she was angry at her but she plays it off like oh it's no big deal we had a love-hate relationship but yeah but i almost murdered her (laughs) essentially That That's a good point in the story as well, because, again, they're on purpose trying to make you think, is there a twin or isn't there a twin? I think that's the whole kind of central piece of this story, isn't it? There is another point where she ran away with Eve to a Bob Dylan concert, for some reason thinking that they could somehow get away. Now, here's a real weakness in the story, I think, because they apparently ended up going to a police station in which Hannah was rescued by her mother. Why wasn't Eve? Yeah, this is a problem. Clearly, anyone who would be looking at these two would know that they're identical twins or would say, ma'am, don't you also want to take her friend out of here? It just seems very odd that this could have ever made it through this point if they both got taken in. If they had told us only Hannah got taken in, then I could buy it. But the fact that they apparently both got taken in makes me wonder, how in the world did Eve get out? Yeah, unless unless at this point in the story, it's just a lie. This this is, seems to be like a red herring on purpose, because we're only taking her word for it. 
Because if you think about it that way, then the story is kind of dumb. It doesn't make any sense. But I don't think that they both got pulled in. I think it's just a story that she's telling to make it seem like Eve is not her. Which probably works a bit better. A point where Hannah thinks she's alone. And she goes, Hannah, 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 why are you talking about Eve? And she does the knot code. And you sorted the knot code out, which is... Just a prisoner of war tap code thing. I, I looked it up on YouTube, actually. I looked it up on Wikipedia, and I couldn't understand how it worked, to be honest. I think I understood how it worked, because it's like old school texting. You have to push once for one letter and... And then, yeah, shift it along it for... Kind of, it kind of, in my I, head, it I, I understand kind of like that. that, yeah. But I had a real problem understanding the way she was doing it, though. For me, it would have made it much easier if she had done the first knock with one hand and the other knock with the other hand. I found this one somewhat early in my first playthrough, and so this is where I was convinced she had more than one personality within one body. Yeah, me too. And I thought that she was talking to herself, but I couldn't make sense of the code. I couldn't quite make it work. I think either I was miscounting or I just wasn't doing it the correct way. But you sorted it out, and you said that this one, she says, love you. And you just being the letter, which also yeah. confused me even this time trying to figure it out. I went... What is, what is, love? I was trying to turn into one word and I was like, oh, I've messed it up again. But no, I was pretty much right on this one. But the other one, oh, the other one did my head in. So I'm glad that you figured it out. But then she puts her head down and she says, oh, poor Simon. So I guess we might not be fooled into thinking that she's innocent. Or maybe we are. I guess the poor Simon could work either way. But it really feels like a bit of, oops here right she even yeah. i think after this goes oh is that camera recording like yeah. idiot. <laughs> no it's there for show this is where she again talks about 1984 she lost the baby her parents died together in this awful heat from food poisoning again the mushrooms she was infertile after the miscarriage of the baby and the baby would have been called sarah not ava even though that's what simon wanted because she didn't want the daughter to have a symmetrical name like her. Yeah. And she says, yes, this is my guitar. Like, well, they ask her about the guitar and the place, I guess. And she goes, oh, yeah, that's not Simon's. That's mine. But I do want to come back to this little bit here later with the food poisoning. So don't let me forget. We're now on session five, I believe. Yeah. This is when she's wearing a light blue button-down shirt with long sleeves. This is definitely Eve. She gets a coffee, black, no sugar. Yep. Again. She kind of goes over again. They're returning home. She gives the exact same details. So this is the time where I was talking about, like, she gave it before. Now she gives it almost verbatim the exact same details. And she spills coffee on herself. Here is a major mistake that she made that I didn't quite put together before. The first couple times I played, I didn't pay attention as much to the dates. I just paid attention to what she was wearing. So I didn't realize that this is also leading into when she's wearing the bright blue t-shirt and her tattoo is clearly displayed. It's because she spilled the coffee. So rather than just wear the coffee-stained shirt and protect their safety, she took it off and then gave them a huge clue. Yeah. I mean, the tattoo is the most obvious clue you could give, right? Yeah, and I don't understand the tattoo. There's a couple of things I don't understand about about this game in general. One is, she's supposed to be poor, 
and she talks so posh, man. She's like, her accent is like really, really posh British accent. I don't know where they're getting this, I'm a poor Londoner, you know? she's She's got a very kind of affluent accent, to me, at least. Maybe there are really posh dinner ladies. But also, this part with the tattoo, when I saw that tattoo, my first instinct was, that's one of those ones you get in a bit of bubblegum. It's terrible. It's... But... I mean, okay, the video quality is bad, but... I, and now I'm thinking, like, this is supporting my kind of split personality thing, because I'm like... And she just, like, slapped a tattoo on there to try and show off that she's... She's not going to get a real tattoo for this role, though. But you could still do a better fake tattoo than that. You could. You could. (laughs) So I think that that's part of what happens with it being low budget. Right. Well, I mean, if that's the case, then fair enough. That's just me being picky. But that tattoo is... Sorry. It's awful. (laughs) I will say it's very awful for this, because if she didn't tell me what it was, I would have had no idea what it was. And that's probably why she does tell you to be honest, because you can't see what it is. It looks like a black blob. But yeah, so yeah, the tattoo comes out in this one. and uh... It's an apple and a snake, which is important for later. She got it eight years ago to express her individuality. She mentions that she shouldn't even drink coffee with the baby, but one cup should be okay. Though she seems to have a lot of coffee. (laughs) She speaks of her wedding, but throughout this talk of her wedding, she keeps referencing the photos, because clearly that's all she's seen. You wouldn't really notice this except in this kind of story, where you're really analyzing everything. If you just heard somebody talk about their wedding, and they talked about, all oh, that looked good in the photo... You would bat an eyelid, yeah. It would seem normal. But the fact that she only references this, whereas the Hannah conversation where she references actually dancing with Simon and what it felt like... Being alone. Yeah. For some reason, they talk about her sex life. They want to start getting onto her sex life, I guess. And they talk about Carl being her first. Well, she brings it up. And she references that Carl got tired of us after six months. Tired of us. But again, you could see that being as tired of us as Carl and Hannah. But I don't think that's the way it's really intended. It's at this point that she says she realizes that family is what's really important, which becomes a key factor to the story later. She's apparently asked if she cheated on Simon. She says, you asked that yesterday. Yeah, and she did not. What? She didn't, did she? Yeah. Did she? Well, they talk about it, the previous one, so yeah. Mm, Okay. Yeah, okay. I thought, yeah, Hannah never cheated on Simon. That's... Oh, I see what you're saying. In real life, you mean? Yeah. Uh, No, as far as I know, she didn't. No. But the thing is, this is Eve. And Eve didn't really cheat on Simon, but Hannah was with... Simon for 10 years, and after Hannah got pregnant, she did try to get pregnant. So clearly she did have sex, even though Hannah was with Simon. So didn't actually cheat on him, but... More like cheated on Hannah. (laughs) (laughs) That's where it gets a bit confusing to talk about it, but yeah. This is an important thing where clearly they've been filling each other in. You asked that yesterday. She says, you're reaching here. This is where she starts to realize what's going on. She denies killing Simon, and she also denies that Simon was having an affair. She talks about, at one point, getting a speeding ticket. I'm not exactly sure why that plays into it, at least at this point in the story. She was asked about this conference that Simon went to in Oxford. She's told that there actually was no conference. So I'm not exactly sure why this is brought up now. It seems like this should have been brought up at an earlier interview. I'm not sure if you know about the speeding ticket by this point or if that comes up later or if you can find it in a different order, I suppose, 
or if it's even in this interview itself, but I guess the police have been digging up because even they're maybe getting, they're getting towards the end of their investigation. They're starting to tie all the loose ends together. They've been digging up anything they can about Hannah. They've found her speeding ticket. Do you recognize this woman? Yep, that's me. But it can't be her because Hannah says that she was, or they say she was at work at that time when that picture was taken. That was Eve speeding, not Hannah. Yeah, I got that, but I didn't get that it was at a time when Hannah couldn't be there. She was working. Oh, okay. I must have missed that. She talks about the Oxford trip was actually a dirty weekend where they were basically getting work to pay for them to go away for a weekend. Yeah. Which is a nice cover story. It's really, I think, Eve was really there, and this is when they were possibly sleeping together behind Hannah's back. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, because Hannah's the one that says he was at a business trip thing, conference, and she believes it, but Eve knows that it was not the truth, yeah. Here's one of the most ridiculous parts of the interview. (laughs) Because they apparently give her a guitar. Yeah, they do give her a guitar, because it's not hers, because she's like, oh, it's probably out of tune. Well, it might be hers, but they brought it from... The house, maybe? Yeah, I don't know. It seems very odd, and they ask her to play... I know that we're accusing you of accusing you of killing your husband, but plays a song, love. <laughs> it's so out of place here. They give her a guitar, and here's the thing: I think one, they're trying to prove that one of them can play guitar and one of them can't. And well, they've messed up because they picked the one who can play guitar. <laughs> but the other thing is, how many people have a guitar that actually can't play it? There are a lot. So this proves nothing. It could still be her guitar, and she's just. Never learned to play. Yeah. And then, of course, the song she chooses to sing. It's called, Oh, the Wind and the Rain. It's basically the inspiration for this entire story. So it's two sisters in love with the same person. One kills the other. And then... By drowning her. Just like she said before. Exactly. And then some guy comes along and makes a fiddle out of the body of the dead girl. But the only song it could play was this one. It's so on the nose. And here's another point, though, where they've basically just said, hey, we think you've killed your husband. Or we haven't quite said that, but she starts to suspect that. And then she sings this song, which is basically telling her whole story, and does it with a smile on her face. It just feels so out of place with everything else that's going on in this scene. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it does... And the first time that I saw it again, I'm like, are they still, are they one person or are they two people? I like the song, first of all. I I love that song. I think it's great. It's a really catchy folk tune. But I think it's towards the end of the time as well. And once we move on, we've got a couple of scenes to go until the end. But I think she's happy because I think that they're winning and she knows that they're going to get away with it. Oh, you think so? Mm. Mm, okay. Mm. But I'm not sure of the timestamp. I'm not sure of the timestamp between this and then the very last interview. Oh, hold on. Oh, I'll get to that. Yeah. So here's the thing. The very next one, the very next one. This is a really short one, isn't it? Yes. Uh, she's wearing a long sleeve, dark blue shirt. It's the very next day. There are only eight bits to this one. Pretty sure it's Hannah. I'm pretty sure it's Eve. That's interesting. Okay, let's get to that. So she's very defensive this whole time. She asked for coffee with milk and sugar. Yeah. Why? From the first interview? No, in this one. But being the milk and sugar because of the first interview, yeah? Because she asks for coffee with milk and sugar? She never asked for coffee with milk and sugar. Was it always, Except it was, this time. It was black. It was That's black, right. and that, that was Eve. 
in the first interview, but then Eve takes tea with sugar. Eve takes tea. Uh, Eve takes a cup of tea with sugar. But she takes her coffee black and strong. Sweet tooth. I don't know. She takes twice. She takes her coffee black and strong. Why would she suddenly now take it differently? Because Hannah is the one that takes her coffee black and strong. No, Eve does. Oh, really? Okay, then I've. I mean, you, you've uh, agreed I've with totally... me every other time as to which one is Eve. Eve is the first one. Eve is the third one. In both of those, she asked for coffee black and strong. Uh, I thought. I thought. I thought this was Eve again. Okay, go I'm on. pretty sure that this is Hannah because of that, and also just because of the way she acts. So she's going, oh, this is three days in a row. You've asked me these many questions. Should I be worried? Am I a suspect now? She's at this point accused of having the rehearsed answers, which we've seen her go through some very rehearsed answers. She's asked about her timing. She is asked about twins and she denies completely that they're twins. She says to take the cup and use the fingerprints. She says they will match, which I'm pretty sure is... Hannah saying, I know what fingerprints you have. Take these that I have right now and match those because I know they will match. As opposed to tomorrow when I come in and they won't match. <laughs> I, there's, I mean, there's, there's a big part of me that I don't understand why they decided to keep switching places. It would have made much more sense to just have one yeah. to all of these. But, but there, there's a point at the end where she says, open this door as though she's locked in. And that's where I'm very... Curious about what's going on, but what were you going to say? Why are you curious about what's going on with that part, though? Uh, I'll get to that. Okay. The the fingerprints, though, that, that's that's maybe why I thought it was Eve as well. She's saying take those fingerprints; they'll match because they'll match the ones that don't match Hannah. The ones that they're taking from the bedroom. That they're saying to Hannah, these are not yours. Your fingerprints are all over the house because it's your house. But there's these ones in the bedroom that don't match. But that wouldn't work because they already have. Essentially, I think we're led to believe they have Hannah's fingerprints. Uh-huh. If they take Eve's fingerprints, they're going to know that she was in the room as well. Oh, I see what you mean. So Even identical yeah. twins don't have identical fingerprints. No. I think it's very interesting about the fact that she might be locked in, because I wonder if this is how they caught her. Because if they detained Hannah, and they somehow caught Eve out going to a grocery store, they knocked on her door and she didn't realize and answered, then maybe this is how they got her. Because otherwise, I don't understand why she would come in and start just confessing everything. Well, that would make sense then. Because, because... because the very last one now is Eve, long sleeve shirt, white, you know, button down shirt. And this is, again, the very next day, 69 bits of video. This is basically Eve's confession. Yeah, so I get I get what you're saying. Yeah, they've got the right person. So that would mean, yeah, I'm totally wrong then. It can't be Eve on that day. It's got to be Hannah and those short clips. And that's their woman. Because they do bring in Eve the next day. Yeah, and she comments, this is a nicer room. Is this where you take people when you arrest them? She seems very confident. She says, there's no lawyer needed. What will you arrest me for? I didn't murder Simon. But as we're going to talk about, I think there's a lot we could arrest her for. Well, she's going to be arrested for, certainly, for a few things. (laughs) Yeah. So I love this bit. I love that you could get bits of this throughout as you're playing the game and searching and basically getting the actual answer and seeing how this doesn't match up with other things that had been said before. Because if you put in the same search terms, you can get one side of the story where she's lying and then get this one in the same search. And that was a beautiful thing to see it compared right next to each other. She agrees to a lie detector test, asks if it actually works. She 
in the very first question says her name is Hannah Smith and then apologizes for it. And also says later that, oh, is the name the only one I got wrong? Oh, well, then your test does work. (laughs) She's a little too confident, a little too happy at this point. But maybe she's just relieved that it's all over. The lie detector test, this is something you wanted to talk about before. These are the worst bits. Because (laughs) we don't get the questions. So there's about 10 in a row where it's just... No, no. (laughs) It's so terrible. And the thing was, the first time I played, I was so frustrated because there is that database checker to see where I've missed. And I saw this huge gap that I couldn't seem to crack. And I was desperate. I was like, I know the real answers must be in the lie detector section. No, the lie detector section is worthless. That's the worst part of the game. (laughs) It's so terrible. It may as well not even exist in there. It's only, I think, to get the Hannah Smith lie in there. That's the only thing to prove that she is lying when she says her name is Hannah. Yeah. Here's where we we just get the whole story. So she says her mother called me Eve. It was like a real-life fairy tale. Florence was her mother, but not really her mother. She was a midwife who... Stole her. Basically, because she was helping out Hannah's parents. She saw that there was twins. She took one of them home. Said it was dead, said it was stillborn, took it home, and then basically, like Rapunzel, kept Eve trapped in the house, though let her look out the window. So that led to Eve seeing Hannah, seeing her as her reflection, and then about their fifth birthday party, well, Hannah's fifth birthday party, they looked through the window, realized it wasn't a reflection, and started kind of waving and mirroring each other. This leads to... I was finding out a bit more about Florence, how she was a widow, her husband died in the war, she'd always wanted children, but couldn't have them, and apparently didn't think about remarrying. Well, that's what she says, is like, yeah, back in those days you married for life, and you're a widow at 21. I guess, but I don't know, I I think that might be either Eve stretching a bit, or the writers of the story stretching a little bit there. When Eve is about eight, Florence has an accident (laughs) where she falls down the stairs and dies eve decides to run across the street and why does the midwife just live across the road that's what i wanted to know that was just coincidence she said wow like they moved in across the street from Uh where florence lived so it was just convenient fair enough okay but yeah you would think you might want to move further away (laughs) yeah like i stole your kid and she looks, she's an identical twin, by the way. Yeah. But I don't understand the Florence part. Like, was she, what a horrible person. Like, why would you even... I mean, if she really wanted kids, why would you do that? Like, why would you steal a kid just to trap it in an attic? This really feels, as she says, it seems like a fairy, fairy tale. tale. But it also seems like something that would happen, I don't know, in medieval times when they weren't fingerprint records. Sure. When there weren't yeah. social security numbers or passport that you would need. It just seems very, very odd in today's day and age. You'd think that Florence was the one that would have driven up to Glasgow. Should have. Should have. (laughs) I'll give it a somewhat plausible. Let's just give it that. A somewhat plausible. She must have been much older, though, if her husband died in the war. Uh, yeah. I would imagine she'd be in her 50s, maybe? Like, by 1970-something, 19... Late 60s, I think, Hannah was born. The twins were born. Late 70s, Wait, I think. Is it late 70s? Well, they must have been very young. And why would they be bothered be going to a Bob Dylan concert then anyway? Well, let's see. So she would have been 27 at 94. Yeah. 
So seventeen when she got pregnant. No, you're right. Late sixties. Late sixties. Yeah. So I guess yeah, she's she's an elderly woman now. But yeah, obviously maybe she had maybe she had a screw loose as well, and she just wanted to have a baby as out of like kind of desire and need to fill a, a gap in her life. I find it very hard to believe. Here's what I just find it very hard to believe that they were able to keep Eve in the attic and hidden this whole time, and no one seemed to notice. That's a lot. That's years of this going on. Oh, yeah. They talk about the wonderful dollhouse again. They talk about taking turns at life and writing a diary so that they would be on the same page. So this is referencing something she said earlier, but now we know, like, the actual meaning of it. They had created a list of rules for everything that may or may not happen. They had to mirror injuries. So if one got a scraped knee, the other one had to do that. They had to pull one of their teeth to make the match. Oh, oh. <laughs> all right. Uh, just teeth thing. All right. Then it leads up to Eve sleeping with a boy who had a girlfriend, which got her black eye. And so, uh, well, it didn't get Eve the black eye. It got Hannah the black eye out of nowhere. She didn't even know what happened. So then she had to punch Eve in the face to make up for that. And apparently went a bit too far. I couldn't see out of that eye for days. And that's good because it shows us that Hannah has a temper. Very much so. Very much so. At this point, she uses the not code, which you figured out. Yep. Says, bye, Hannah. And she again talks about the not code. They used it so much that the dad thought there were mice, which is why they got Domino the cat. And then they found that they could use Domino's bell on the collar to send little messages to each other. But in code, so even if the mother found it, they wouldn't know what it really said. So they're smart as kids, but not as smart as adults. It seems like it. They're both obsessed with fairy tales and this big book of fairy tales and the pictures and then into what in that point would have been the modern day fairy tale of the Princess Diana, I guess was it was a big thing. They do talk a little bit here. Eve talks about their differences, like Hannah is a better driver, but she's very shy. Eve always had to pursue the boys for them. Carl was Eve's first, and so there's a lot of time where Hannah would have to act differently when it was her turn with Carl. And so they used a brush to make them match there as well. It's not so different from a bruise, I think she says. But when it comes to Simon, Hannah was selfish. She made sure that she was with him first. And Eve is pretty sure that it was that first time that she became with child. Eve tries desperately, being with lots of other guys, but eventually has to stop when she gets an STD. At this point, this is where I start to think that they're being really stupid. I think that there are many times as teenagers, I get that it could be kind of fun to have the secret, but it would have been so much easier to say, hey, I actually have this sister, and maybe we should actually get things sorted out. Because especially at this point, Eve is trying to get pregnant. What are they going to do with two babies? They'd have to match as well. <laughs> yeah. So they're going to have a baby in the attic. But how are they going to deal with the birth? Like, none of this makes logical sense at this point. Yeah. I at mean, this point, you've gone too far. And I think maybe they've gone too far as well. That's exactly what, like, what you're saying. It's like, as kids, yeah, it would be fun to play jokes on people and to pretend like you're, you know, you're a twin that doesn't exist. But yeah, as you get older, it's like, come on, this is a drag. Maybe they have a screw loose as well. Maybe they're maybe they've gone through something 
quite strange and weird and they can't stop it, whatever. Maybe there's something there. Because I did get the feeling, even though they are, I'm convinced they're twins, there's no multiple personality disorders going on here. But perhaps there almost is, in a sense, they've inflicted it on themselves, kind of. Like, they're, they're just compulsively going down this path over and over again. But it gets even weirder or more difficult for me to believe anyway, because they talk at this point, Eve talks about the miscarriage and how Eve was stuck alone in the attic. How is she stuck alone in the attic and still surviving? Because up until this point, we're led to believe that they were sneaking food to each other when it was their turn. But there's now no one sneaking food to her. She says she gets a wig and she sneaks out, but the parents are still living there, at least for a while. And that's also when she leads into talking about the parents died. So this is where I want to talk about this now. This is... I, I hinted at this with the mushrooms. Who killed the parents? Eve. Are you sure? Positive. What makes you so sure? Because she wants into Hannah's life and she knows that she's living with her parents and she doesn't like living with Simon's parents. She can't move back in to this house with them. So she's thinking, oh, I'll get rid of... They're not even really her parents, are they? Because she's been hidden in, a, in an attic and was with Florence for all, most of her life. So I guess she doesn't really feel... Not, not really. I mean, at this point, it was eight when she moved in. She spends, let's say, half her days, it's her turn. Yeah. So even though they would have been calling her Hannah, they still would have been treating her like a parent. True, true. But I and think... that's like eight years of that, eight or nine years at this point. But that's my... Well, I mean, well, then you can really say whatever you want then. But I think, yeah, it was definitely Eve. Because she wanted Simon and Hannah to move back in so that she could continue her life, like moving on to the next chapter with Simon and Hannah. There's a part of me that, certainly the first time through, that's what I was thinking. But there's a part of me now that wonders if it wasn't Hannah. If Hannah wasn't the one who missed this dual life and missed having someone else to be with her. She had lost a baby. She was stuck living with her in-laws. She wanted to be out of that situation, I think. Mm. Well, yeah, it could be. So there is part of me that wonders. Yeah. Because... But I think, don't they say... Eve's story point... is very weird. Like, she says that she was basically passed out because of the disease she got. She was exhausted and she slept through it. I just don't see that working in any way. For her to sleep through it for days and her being able to convince Hannah that that's what happened. Right. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Especially killing the parents in a way that would set off huge alarm bells with Hannah. I don't know. I think that you're probably right. It probably was Eve, but there's a part of me that does wonder which one... Hannah has motive too. And maybe maybe they worked maybe together they, on maybe this one too. Maybe they both did it, yeah. But if they did, why are they so stupid to choose a way that they keep denying would make any sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess the mushrooms were there, but why would you be growing death caps mushrooms anyway? Like, if you're growing mushrooms to eat them, like, let's grow some poisonous ones too. Like, no, no. <laughs> I don't understand that at all. So let's leave that for now. It was a joint effort, maybe, yeah. Hannah moved back, and she made Simon leave the attic alone. He was renovating the whole house, but leave that alone. Hannah still wouldn't share Simon, according to Eve. And so Eve moved out and got a tattoo. This is the eight years ago at this point. She's saying for her rent, she had no roots. I don't exist, she says. And she'll say this again later. Simon saw Eve singing. He kept coming back, flirting. He offered dinner and she wouldn't go. So they just had chips on the beach. Yeah. And this is when they kiss. 
he eventually takes Eve to Hannah's house, to their childhood home. And so now it's no mystery. He is definitely the same person. Because I think that in Eve's mind, there was a point where she was hoping that this was a similar situation, that somehow magically there were these twin brothers and that this was the brother. I think that that's referenced very heavily in one of the stories she makes up for the picture. And that would be the, the proper fairy tale ending. But it's not. They get together. She becomes pregnant, again, probably from the first time. And she lies to Hannah about the father of the baby, but she does tell her about the baby. When Hannah tells Simon about having a sister, his face apparently gave him away and Hannah knew everything, at least according to Eve. We're getting this from Eve's side. It's at this point that Hannah calls Eve and she calls her sister on the phone, which she never used to do. She's angry and it's the kind of anger you can only have at yourself. So again, this is where if you just caught this clip out of context, it seems like maybe they're hinting that she is one person with two personalities. But they have a fight. Eve gives Hannah a bruise. So this is how we definitely know that it's Hannah who has the bruise. She references the fact that she has a tattoo. So we know definitely that this is Eve. So Eve is the one that drives to Glasgow. Yes. So the Glasgow story is completely true for Eve. Yes. She says in the next part of her story that she went back and realized that Hannah was more important than Simon. Family is the most important thing. So this is what she went back for. But when she got there, Simon is on the floor of the living room. His throat has been cut. Hannah's sitting there with blood on her and Eve's wig on. And Hannah's just sitting there in shock. So her story, which she literally says, so if you put in the title into the search, you would have gotten two pieces of video. So her story is she pretended to be Eve. Simon said he wanted to leave. I want to leave with you, not realizing he's actually talking to his wife instead. And then he gives her the same mirror. He had made two identical mirrors. What a bonehead. Okay. <laughs> and Hannah at this point goes crazy. I mean, did Simon maybe think that she was one person and she was living a double life? And maybe that was like a psychological thing, like giving the, the same mirror to the two different personalities? Possibly. That's what I took away from it. I don't know. And he, want, know. he, he, he wanted... definitely didn't really understand, like, is she a different person? Because he can only be in one place at one time. So when he's at the bar with Eve, who he may think is this alternate ego of his wife, then he wants that woman. That's who he wants, not Hannah. Yeah, because apparently he commented on how different she was, which Eve thought was laughable. But I don't know why he would do this. Why make two identical ones? But with all the stuff going on with the pregnancy, with the finding out that Simon wants to run away with Eve and getting the same present apparently was too much for Hannah. She smashes it and Eve says, oh, she was probably just trying to lash out, but she lashed out in a very major way because <laughs> Simon is now dead. Yes. They both realized, the sisters, that the baby is what matters. So they used Eve's trip as an alibi to prove they're innocent now so that there'll be no doubt later. That's what they say anyway. Eve says, my sister is gone and she's never coming back. And I feel like there's a smile that she has at this point, which seems a little creepy. But why does she say this? Is Hannah dead? I didn't even, that didn't cross my mind, to be honest, but that's pretty dark. <laughs> I thought she just, like, the whole thing with the song and the smiles and, like, I thought she's thinking we've got away with it. And, you know, it's like the classic criminal lets their guard down towards the end. Well, unless Hannah is 
literally gone. Like she, I thought she'd run away to a different country. As, that's what I thought. I thought okay. that Hannah had disappeared, and that's why she's saying bye, Hannah, because she's left the country. Perhaps this is again where she talks about I don't exist. Can you arrest someone who doesn't exist? My answer would be yeah, probably. <laughs> And then she says, I'd like to speak to a lawyer now, please. You have no murder weapon. You have nothing. All these stories we've been telling each other are just that. Well, we have, a, we have a dead body in your basement, you know? So, yes. I'm a bit confused here what she thought she was getting away with. Because, at the very least, she was aiding and abetting yeah. this murder. She knew what had happened. She'd been lying for a very, very long time. She was driving without a license. I don't know. Well, I guess it doesn't matter. You don't really need identification to cross the border into Scotland, right? No, no. So that's not really an issue. Yeah, like a national insurance number, not paying taxes. Yeah, man, there's a few things you can be done for. It seems like there's a lot that she could be done for. And clearly she must have been, because at the end of the game, what is the closest thing to an end is when you go into the chat and whoever helped you get into these archive says do you understand why your mother did it and you are sarah and you have to say yes or no and at the time i said nope <laughs> yeah so the first time i said nope and then actually the first time i when i finally got to the point where i felt like actually i do feel like i kind of understand it let me see what the ending really is even though unfortunately i didn't really get that so do you understand what happened yes do you understand why your mother did it yes okay let's go have a coffee that's the ending of the game yeah, who's who's the person on the other end of the line as well? I don't know that. But I found it so frustrating because I think that I've put together quite a lot. I think I know, even when I was seeing it in a jumbled mess, I feel like one problem I had with the game is very early on, I felt like I knew what was going on. I was debating only between are there two people or is it one person with two personalities? I think that's all it has to offer, to be honest. But I still probably had half the videos to go and so you do get details and you get a fuller story but the main story feels like it could be ruined very early on if you have a couple good searches oh you'd have to be i don't know well I, not a couple but and like i could probably get through knowing the overall story that there's either two of them or that there's two different people that she's pregnant i could probably do that within an hour to an hour and a half the first time i don't think that that's out of the realm of possibility. And I think that's fair enough. Like, you know, it's, it's an hour and a half or two hours. That's a movie. And you come away from the movie thinking, oh, was it a real, was it two people or was it one? You know, make up your own mind. All right, but do a podcast on it. But um, here is where we get to the ending, but there is no ending. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't like that at all because that's, it kind of breaks the rule of games. Movies. Yes, that's fine. Even in a movie, you've got an ending. But this, this was, I don't know, it didn't work for me because it's a game that wants to be a movie. And I don't think it works. Even if they just had something, just a little cutscene, something at the end, just to show you that you'd actually reach the end. Because otherwise you could be fumbling around in the, like you did for nine hours, you know, trying to find the ending but that doesn't exist. Ugh. I wanted something definitive. After this much time, as a game, it feels very unsatisfying. The ending definitely was, yeah. But once I fi once I figured out there was no ending, I was I was kind of happy with it. If someone told me beforehand, this game has no ending, it's basically like watching a film. I'd be like, okay, and I could go in knowing that there was no ending, but actually looking for an ending and not finding one would be a huge disappointment. Well, it was a huge disappointment. 
But like you said before, with the searching as well, I think the game cheats in some places because, yeah, you're right, you could find out a lot of stuff from the get-go if you happened upon a, a term. But even when you type in the word like tattoo, for instance, that was one of them that, that I noticed was I typed in tattoo and I got a bunch of videos, but I didn't get the one that definitely had the word tattoo in it, but that didn't come until yeah. I searched for something else. And I didn't get the one where it explains why there's a tattoo. Yeah, so the game withholds information from you on purpose, and I'm not a fan of that, to be honest. But I suppose for a game like this, it kind of has to. I, I, I understand why they would do that, because they don't want you spoiling yourself too soon. And it only happened a couple of times that I noticed anyway, so I don't know. Telling-wise, I hope there's an ending. A cutscene, a little whatever at the end. Just something to let me know that I've reached the end. Or one of the endings. Like, there's some other really good games out there that are FMV, The Bunker, and Late Shift. They're both by a different developer. And they're really good. They've done it well. Late Shift has, like, multiple endings. And you know that they're endings because of the content. Yeah, it's done It's done better. But they come after... They've, they've come way after her story. And so... Her story kind of laid the groundwork and then these later games have improved on it. And good for them. It's it's a genre that I'd love to see more of. For sure, we've talked a lot about FMV stuff and the the recent kind of comeback of it. And yeah, another title for the library is always good. I would definitely like to see more and I will probably get this next one earlier than I would normally jump on a game because I will want to see it and I will want to play it before it can possibly get spoiled for me. Yeah. Especially if there's this kind of twist or complicated story in it. I would like to see that. I like the story. I think that it does play better as a game than as a movie. I probably get very bored just sitting here watching this for two hours. I know that because I did this last night, writing these notes. And you're probably watching this on YouTube video right now of just the playthrough of this video. But I agree completely. I think that the fact that there was no ending... Like I said, I spent way too many hours searching for an ending that didn't exist. I was searching for lie detector clips that I would never be able to find because I would have had to have literally typed in yes and it would have to be the first five yeses. And she says yes in a whole lot of other clips, which blocked me from getting this one. I like this game a lot. If you do want to watch it all the way through, if listening to us isn't enough and you want to see it for yourself all the way through, Darren found a fantastic trick to finding any missing videos that you have. And that is just tag everything. And then once you've tagged as much as you find and you're satisfied with the story, and but you want to kind of like 100% complete the library. Which is an achievement. Yep. Just type in the word blank. And then you got all the blank ones that you've not it's tagged. All right in front of you. Yep. And I never put that one together. If you want to watch it all the way through, you can just... From the very beginning, just type blank. It will give you the first five in order. It goes chronologically. So make sure you tag them. Then they go away in your next search. And you just keep clicking search, search, search with blank in the search bar. And you'll be able to watch it all the way through. It's a huge spoiler. That's a huge game-breaking trick that luckily I never figured out. But that's definitely why I didn't want to put that in the spoiler-free section. Because... That would ruin the game for somebody to watch it straight through. Like, what's the point of this game? Yeah, yeah, there wouldn't be. I hope the next one is the same kind of price, though, because Late Shift is quite pricey, and this Telling Lies has a lot of, like, high-quality kind of actors. There's at least four big names in there from TV shows and stuff. So I think it's going to be quite a pricey one. But, like you said, 
I'm willing to throw down the cash for this to play it before it gets ruined because yeah, her story was it was good, but again, not having that information about the ending would have really annoyed me. <laughs> gaps filled and more gaps created. But I didn't write it down, so I'm not going to try. I'm not going to try and fake it. <laughs> Is that my job, then? And today we're going to discuss a movie from 2007 called Time Crimes. Having watched it twice, I'm a bit shocked by that, but we'll get into that. They need to look at their system because it's broken. Well, my personal opinion is most of them are broken in a way, yeah. but... Uh, I don't know. I don't want to get into that now because that that will be my whole hour. <laughs> we are going to talk about this movie, as I said, in three acts. Feels like I've had a long run of complaining on the podcast about movies that I'm not happy with. That's why I'm here. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I like this movie. <laughs> I guess. All this and more on the next episode of Filling in the Gaps.